This is a Cherish podcast, and I'm your host, Michael Boudreau. I'll be taking you for an inside look behind the glamorous facade of the interior design industry. At a time when every aspect of the business, from sourcing to trends to marketing to dealing with clients, is undergoing rapid change. If there were ever any doubt, COVID has made it clear that design is a global business. The shutdowns caused by the pandemic have had repercussions that have been felt since last spring and are likely to continue well into 2021. The design business showed surprising resilience during the pandemic. But just as clients became ever more focused on their homes, seeking changes and improvements, supply chain disruptions made it harder to satisfy client demands and execute designers' visions. Factory shutdowns in China, quarry closures in Italy, furloughs of weavers and rug makers in India and Tibet, shuttered stores and showrooms, shipping delays, and struggling artisans and craftsmen everywhere have all made completing projects much more difficult than in the past. I'm lucky to have with me today three designers who have navigated through this crisis and have come up with innovative workarounds that range from sourcing locally to relying on vintage pieces. Charlotte, North Carolina-based designer Barry Benson creates relaxed and colorful interiors where sculptural furnishings are amplified with graphic patterns and whimsical touches. Welcome, Barry. Thank you so much for having me. My pleasure. Benjamin Dong, who works in the San Francisco area and Napa Valley, is known for elegantly appointed, serene, and richly detailed rooms that update classic elements for contemporary families. Hello, Ben. Hi, Michael. Pate Lau is based in Los Angeles, but also works in New York, London, and Thailand, crafting homes that are clean line, but infused with the bohemian spirit and full of unexpected details and artisanal touches. Welcome, Pate. Thank you. I'm so excited to be here. This is fun. So I want to start with a question to all of you, like, what was the biggest challenge when COVID hit? Aside from setting up your office and figuring out how to work Zoom, which was not easy for me, and getting your team together and all that, in terms of day-to-day, what has been the biggest challenge since the pandemic struck? Why don't we start with you, Barry? So I would say, you know, initially, everybody was like evaluating the PPP and, you know, making sure that they had battened down the hatches. I know I was. And and it was honestly, it was a great way to meet with some designers across the country. I had quite a few people that I was calling on, Young Ha and Nicholson and Palmer Weiss. We sort of got on a on a, a couple of calls together just to s- discuss it because so many people had different ideas about it. So that was very helpful to sort of get in touch with designers that we knew. Now that was very smart. And then, of course, the biggest struggles right now are just that in the South, we are not quite as battened down as the North and the West. I think we go back and forth between being very locked down. When we're in the office where we always have a mask on, we're working together. But when someone's been exposed, that's a week, that's a right. seven day. And you can't control away. what your clients are going to do. I mean, it's their lives, so they're going to do what they're going to do, right? Absolutely. And we had one little scare where one of the girls that worked for me, one of the designers who worked for me, was exposed to COVID and tested positive. So we had to make that call. And prior to that, we would be in clients' homes with their mask on, and they would say, no, if it doesn't bother you, it doesn't bother me. And so a couple of times we had taken it off. After that, it was a lockdown. You do not step foot anywhere and take your mask off, but it was a good wake-up call because the designer had not taken her mask off, so everybody was safe. 
So I think we're just learning from things like that. But I do think the early really lockdown quarantine, we got very used to sharing Zoom screens and it was was very thankful to have a very young staff that was tech savvy because it made a lot of presentations and meetings very, very easy. For young people, right? Pate, how about you? How did you adjust? What was the biggest challenge? My biggest challenge was I was on the verge of splitting between like new clients and then about to start construction in New York and I was in LA. (laughs) And so I was supposed to head to New York to to meet like a new project. And obviously that was really challenging because I was kind of, I was in this phase where I was switching over from a lot of my old client, like just finishing up projects and starting new ones. And so we had to, I really had to pause and I couldn't work for two or three months. And that was really frustrating because I just had to sit and wait. So I got in the kitchen and started cooking a lot. (laughs) (laughs) Like the rest of America. (laughs) (laughs) Got real creative in the kitchen. But meanwhile, it was really great because I felt so, I really truly felt so blessed about the community within our industry because there was all these beautiful Zoom calls and then doing and really being supportive through the different either design groups that I was kind of in and then also forms of friendships like, Nick and like the kind of what you did, Barry, was awesome. Like I did the same thing with Ashley Daryl, Peter Sandell and Drew McGookin and then also Ariel Duker. And so we ended up doing these weekly kind of calls and just kind of checking in on everyone. And so that was a really nice intimate friendship that we developed through our friendship and also in the industry. And then also just a lot of the Zoom calls, either with the New York Design Center, just different activities. And then also I joined DLN. I finally decided been asking me to do it. And some people were like, don't do it because you don't get to travel and it's not that great. And I was like, actually, I think it's probably a really great way to build that community even stronger. And so that was kind of really helpful for me. And then once things kind of settled in a little bit, projects started kicking in and then I had to, things had to take a lot longer. And also it was that different shift between when you're used to working at a certain pace and then all of a sudden you had to get like materials and you couldn't necessarily open, go to the showrooms that were open and I'm in LA and it was a, the shutdown was, well, we're shut down right now, but the shutdown was kind of, yeah. And so the, it was kind of interesting because then I had to refigure out how to get different samples. I had to figure out, wait for the samples to be mailed to me, do much more online shopping. And then it was great because I also signed up for Material Connection, which was really helpful to get to get samples sent to me. And I really had to communicate to my clients. I'm like, a lot of the things that we were ordering, they're obviously in much delay. Things where we were not getting everything. But Material Connection was a really good resource. And then just waiting for samples to get to me took a lot longer. So things were kind of stretched out. And then on top of it, I was in COVID, kind of COVID brain, and it was like hard for me to physically and emotionally kind of like get back into work into the work mode right. because that your, was really your, challenging. Your own personal patterns yeah. were off. Like, yes, I think exactly. the two biggest surprises of the pandemic in terms of business were that A, it's lasted much longer than I think any of us thought it would at the beginning. And mm-hmm. B, the design business was much busier than I think a lot of us expected to be. So Ben, how did you deal with that? Because this emphasis on home, because with everybody being home, and I think most of the designers I talked to said they were, after an initial lull, that things sort of then picked up much more so than they expected. 
Absolutely, Michael. I mean, I think the first two weeks was blissful because no, no calls. It was really sort of surreal and lovely. It was very calm, long lunches, and you just took your know, vacation. And everyone sort of like relaxed. And then suddenly the calls started coming in. And we had just started a big renovation in, outside of oh. Philadelphia. And so I was not able right. to go out. But fortunately, thank God for technology and the fact that we had, our office has been doing Zoom type calls for at least three years with clients, even with clients within our own city, because sometimes it's easy to sort of focus everyone's attention in a conference call on their computer screens rather than have an in-house meeting where they're distracted everywhere. So that culture we were able to sort of seamlessly transition into. And it's amazing that we have been able to run a construction site, order all the the furniture for a project 3,000 miles away. But you know, you're only as good as your contractors, your subs. So if you have a good team and FaceTime, it's quite wonderful. And also I would say that our clients, everyone's been very patient and open to adapting. But I feel like our culture is all improving. None of my clients are demanding. They're they're all understanding. And I'll tell you, it dovetails into what I think is, for us, the biggest challenge we have at the moment, and that is shipping. And the amount, rate of damage is sort of horrendous. Shippers, they're long-term established. They're overwhelmed. There's a lot of packages. There is a, a much higher rate of damage these days. But thank God for Cherish, because they will come in and take care of us. But right. the amount of shipping damage is pretty bad. Yeah, I've heard that. I mean, especially during the holidays, it's been a nightmare. But it's interesting. I think, listen, we had to get a new washing machine in, in our, for our apartment in the city, and it arrived damaged. You know, it's like they'd obviously thrown it around and we had to send it back. So I can't imagine if you're ordering vintage, valuable vintage pieces they don't treat them It's the old right, monkeys you know? throwing the American tourist uh, suitcase right. around. Barry, have you had the same problem in terms of shipping and delays and things arriving badly? Absolutely. I know that quite a few of the factories, we're in the hotbed of all the furniture making right. factories. And yeah, I know, they don't have to travel as far to you guys. And I, there was a very, think. very interesting article about the company that I have a line with, Century Furniture. It's through mm-hmm. Highland House is owned by Century Furniture. I have a line of furniture with them. And there would be, they have about six factories and one after the other, they would get, you know, lightened up. And it's also very hard to build furniture with the mask and glasses. And I also think a lot of the older factories don't have that kind of good ventilation. So I think that was a challenge as well. But like both of you have said, I think that managing clients' expectations and also just everybody has been, there have been very few people that have been really difficult about time delays because there's really... That's good to know. I mean... The thing about being a client, I'm take, I'll take the client point of view for a moment, is, you know, I'm paying you guys, a, if only, but I'm paying you guys a lot of money. You're disrupting my whole life. My house is a mess. You know, there's construction debris and plaster dust everywhere. I can see them losing patience. Pate, has that been a problem for you? I mean, L.A. is not known for being the most patient city in America, shall we say? Right. Um, <laughs> it ha- yeah, it has been. But I, again, I think most people, like I had a client that was, we waited chairs for over six months and then they finally got them and then they didn't like it. We had to send it back. I think everyone's <sighs> been like, not as stressed. Like people are really aware of the situation. There's nothing that you can control. Like- so yeah, even the most demanding clients have right. been 
I mean, we're we're, yeah. we're all in this together, but I'm sure there are some clients who are thinking, yeah, we're all in this together, but it's me, me. Yeah. What about me? You know, I mean. But luckily I haven't um, had a client where know. they're living in a space that would be really, really stressful. Oh, that's you know? great. Ben, have you had that problem where you're they're actually doing the renovation while they're living there? Well, I do. No, um, the client in outside Philadelphia, she's living in the house. And for the first month, she didn't have a kitchen. And then she's waiting for the DeGournay panels. And there's, she says, and she she's hired someone to come in three days a week to clean. But as soon as they clean the floors, they're messy again. Every now and then she loses her patience. I mean, and I, and I don't blame her because when the maybe the fifth thing arrived and we had ordered extremely expensive Welsh dresser. And sadly, it, it was an antique. And sadly, it was crumbled. Oh. I mean, just part of it was just all just torn. They, they didn't do a good oh, job at all. That's a heartbreak. And so I just had to talk her down from the, the that's ledge. That's a heartbreak. Yeah, that's um, a shame. That's so. a heartbreak. I think also one thing too, I think one thing that people didn't really talk about is the what you were saying is the, the logistics company. They are so overwhelmed with not only just delivering of the goods, but actually moving people. Because like so many people have moved and shifted and lived in not living in the same place that they're on top of just the lo- normal logistic transport stuff moving has been like up the roof like mm-hmm. the prices have just gone insane so it's yeah. like i feel like they've been kind of a no one's really been talking about them <laughs> right you know and they're doing incredible amounts of work and it's, it's interesting i feel like that hasn't really been addressed it's kind of amazing when you think about how many levels are involved in what you guys do and how many workers you're dependent on ben you had mentioned having good contractors but Contractors are out there, masks or no, they tend to get sick, artisans, that kind of thing, carpenters. Has that impacted your work at all, a shortage of being able to find people like that? Well, you know, part of our work is up in the wine country, and wine country has, has suffered from several years mm-hmm. in a row well, of the fires, fires. Exactly. And so there's fires. And so that has resulted in large amounts of renovations and new construction of houses, which has just upped the ante. The, the prices that we pay subs, if we're able to find them out in California, is staggeringly high. And when I see the bills for our, you know, Philadelphia project, I'm like, oh, this is the deal of the century. I'm like, I'm moving to Philadelphia. You should tell Philly, your client you know? that she's Grace getting the Kelly deal of the century. Right. right? I loved, I loved it. So, uh, but it's it's yeah. expensive and everyone's just really chill. Well, that's and amazing. And I think that's wonderful for our, our culture. And Well, yeah, the laid back Napa Valley thing, that's kind of, I guess it's sort of the cliche is a bit true. What about you, Barry? Have, have you had problems getting enough skilled craftsmen and contractors? We were having that trouble even before COVID just because yeah, it's well, been booming so much in the South. And I feel like I'm doing projects in Miami. I mean, it's it's been a challenge. You really have to do your homework mm-hmm. and you also have to you have to find the right contractor that is has a very good relationship with their subs and have worked with them for a long time. But with that said, we just, this project we're working on right now, it's framing, it was rolling and so exciting to drive by. And the morning meeting this morning was all the framers have COVID. <gasps> so, oh no. Yeah. So, so it yeah. was, you know, it's a stop. And so they were going to work this week and next week. And of course, they're not going to start until the, you know, probably the beginning of January, hopefully, if everybody's healthy and safe. But so that will continue to happen. And I think we all know that. But I think that, as you said, people are giving everybody a little grace and space and understanding, but it makes our job harder. 
But I think it's teaching us a lot about managing expectations and front end. I feel like any client that I start with, I'm like, you usually it's six to eight months from the time we have the presentation and you sign off on the budget. But I think realistically, it's now eight to you know, eight to a yeah, year, doubling it. Yeah. Doubling and it could be for sure. Or you just say, I, I can't tell you exactly. I mean, usually at six to eight, it could speed up or it could slow down, but there are delays in every facet. Hi, everybody. And thanks for tuning in. I hope you're enjoying the Cherish podcast. My name is Anna Brockway, and I am the co-founder and president of Cherish. Professional designers are invited to join the Cherish Trade Program to access special benefits like net pricing and a special trade-only customer service hotline. We're also introducing a loyalty program where designers earn $75 in cash for every $5,000 they spend on Cherish. We do hope you'll join us. And in order to do so, please visit cherish.com backslash trade. That's spelled C-H-A-I-R-I-S-H dot com backslash trade. And now back to the show. And are there particular things that you're, you guys are having trouble getting your hands on, so to speak? Because I know what we did an episode about design in D.C. and Marika Meyer was saying that early on in the COVID, and it was an election year, so usually business in D.C. would traditionally slow down during the election year. And she said it's been so busy that like her stone guy, for you know, all her counters and that totally ran out of stone, which she said has never happened in her 25 years in business. So what has been some of the biggest surprises in terms of shortages or delays for you guys? Patay, how about you? Is there anything in particular that plumbing supplies, stone, I don't know. Yeah, definitely some of the plumbing supplies, I think were really, were because everyone's building at the moment. So I really had to push my clients and like, we need to get on this right away. Like if once we make the decision, let's not, let's purchase it because there's a shortage of it. So definitely had to push that. But you know, it was interesting. I got really lucky and a lot of the slabs because we're actually like some vendors were really smart and bought a lot of like beautiful slabs before, before COVID happened or right, right around the same time. And so they were like, well, we're putting this whole chunk of investment in, but it was actually really smart because they had an incredible amount of stuff. For example, like ABC Stone, we were shopping with them, but then they didn't have as much inventory. But then I went to Artistic Tiles and they were like, well, we're investing on a whole bunch of stone prior to it. And then, you know, and then it came in like literally one when I was ready to start shopping for it. And I was like blown away by how much incredible stuff. So it was kind of a mix, you know, some things like hardwares, like all the metal stuff everyone's ordering it everyone's building like, like that was that was very challenging to but i think like some other items were really i was really surprised and kind of like oh wow that's amazing some of the stuff that came in so i think some vendors were really smart on kind of prepping up for it and then you know initial big investment but they're definitely banking on it now and then there are others that were behind and really struggling ben have you expanded your circle of resources i mean i know all most designers have their their places that they love to use we, we've always had a very broad range. We've, we, we, it's like a shotgun approach of, you know, we don't want to, like to go to the same person or the same type of people. But I would say our shortages have been very sort of mm. random and odd. And when they do happen, it's like you'll try to order the same thing three times, different, different sources, and you'll never get it. Or And other things have, in general, things have come in decently in stock. But every now and then, there's something that's just you can't get your hands on. And they... they, they Right. A little right. plug for Cherish. I feel like this is, we're using a lot. I mean, we've always used Cherish, but we're using a lot more vintage because we can right. bring it in and have a small upholstery company 
reupholster it right. faster than right. while some of the larger companies are have experiencing big backlogs. backlogs. So yeah. that has really been yeah. saving right. us right. locally. Yeah. No, I think a, a lot of designers are, which is great because since I love vintage and mm-hmm. we love Cherish, obviously, I think that's a great thing to point out. But I want to ask you, you mentioned, Mary, that you mentioned, you know, having a local workroom. How about the the artisans and craftsmen that you guys work with? I mean, I'm sure they've been inundated as well. Has that been the case or you've been they've been able to keep up with the demand? We've actually, I mean, we've kept our original workrooms, but we've had to find additional ones. Yeah, a little for, more shopping. So, yeah. So we're using every vendor that we've ever used and also finding more just because they're so backlog. I mean, wallpaper, I can't. I'm the head of the company and I've done work with the same wallpaper company for for 20 years and they can't get to me for another two months. They're completely yeah. booked and that's never been the case. So it is people that new upholsters, people are busy designers, and, you know, how, how yeah. do you find those people? Absolutely. I feel like the old school people who were the old school designers used to protect all their sources. And now I think everybody just wants the best for everyone. Most of the time, I, f- I feel mm-hmm. like. Yeah, I seems like people are willing to share. Ben, have you found that? Absolutely. You know, out in California, we've got a group of about 30 designers in San Francisco. And we, on a regular basis, just sort of share information and, and send out pleas. And we're not th- that protective. We're very sort of like give. Right. With yeah. Well, I think in the old days, there used to be, there were enough artisans and craftsmen around. Now they're kind of a shrinking breed. S- some are a dying breed. Right. Wallpaper installers, upholsterers. It's right. sort of a so dying you want to give breed, them enough which is very sad. If you're not employing them at the moment, you hope somebody else will because you want them to stay in business. But hey, how is it in LA in terms of artisans and craftsmen? I mean, I know there's a lot of furniture makers in LA. There's a lot of small businesses. How are they faring? I have ones that I always work with and I've been really lucky. Like they sometimes if I need like exactly like I had a paper hanger that I always work with and then obviously couldn't work with. So I ended up had to call another designer and they gave me one and then turns out great. And then so they've been installing my wallpaper. I think a lot of the artisans here in LA are it's almost like quite a there's quite a lot of them downtown, too. And they're almost like kind of secret and hidden. And you really have to get a resource. You can't just like look online or I think it's very much like the community that you build wherever you live or whichever project you're doing. So I think in Los Angeles, there's like a lot of metal workers or carpentry and sometimes they're like really young and hip versus like in, in New York, like they're more of the old school ones. But I've been- We have a few lucky. young and hip ones in New York too. We do, yeah. <laughs> that's true, that's true. But no, but I, I think that's yeah, true. That's true. And how have you guys worked in terms of the showrooms? Because I think- Showrooms is something that I worry about. It doesn't keep me up at night. It's not that bad. But I do worry about showrooms. They've been shut down, so many of them, obviously. And this is where you go, not only for furniture and accessories, but fabrics or whatever. So how has that situation been? Have you mostly been online? I mean, I know now, or at least until recently, they have been reopened by appointment. Has your team been going to showrooms? Have you been sending, or do you do it virtually? How does that work in terms of your, can't get everything from Cherish, much as we'd like. We've been doing less and less during this COVID because the staff Mm -hmm. is spread everywhere. And maybe I've gone twice to the showrooms and they really are an invaluable source for people. I, I, I tend to not necessarily shop strictly showroom to be honest no i yeah i think i don't think anyone should shop solely showrooms you know i mean completely but nonetheless what would my life be without it and what it provides to to our our community 
Barry, what about you? Have you been going to the showrooms at all? You know, since we're in Charlotte, right. we we've have our main showrooms are ADAC right. in Atlanta right. and New York right. because it's actually easier to fly to New York than to drive to Atlanta. Right. Right. <laughs> but but so we we have always been very used to ordering online or vendors come, a lot of the representatives come to us and show us lines. And I just think they're getting much better with what's online, like Schumacher in Atlanta. They everything's online. We order it. And they, you know, although the physical showroom may not be doing well, I do still think they get credit for all of our orders and we're ordering tons. So I think maybe the landscape's changing a little bit with that, that these showrooms are actually getting, can get a little smaller. I mean, it is very nice, that old school of like taking your client in and showing all the big well, that's samples. that's the thing, you're not making the discoveries. That I think is, yeah. is sort that's, of a loss. That's, a, that's one thing that I really felt that when I, when things did open up and I got to go into the stores and I was like, oh, I forgot like, you know, to be able to touch it or see it and feel it. You know, the best part is like you have an idea, but then you go and you find it. That's like the magic. Right. But part of great design yeah, is, is that sort of you, you see something by accident. And because that's what I love mm -hmm. about Cherish is if I only shopped with what's in my mind, I think my palette would be so much more constrained. But I'll see things that are unusual and quirky and I'll say, this is Work perfect. In that corner it throws in something unusual. It, yeah. Right. Much more right. authentic and personal. Yeah. Right. And Pate, have you gone into the PDC? I needed to go in, I was like, I'd make an appointment, I'd go pop in really quickly and just do what I needed to. And then again, and that's where I was reminded, I'm like, oh my gosh, I forget like what, how awesome some of the things that you would find that you would not find online. But then at the same time, like I think some, a lot of the showrooms actually have, have really like stepped up their online game and yes. using some of the portals for, from, you know, and I can work irregular hours and which has really been helpful and not just a certain time. So it's a combination of both like, yes, going in and actually like touching and feeling, grabbing it really quickly. I'm not going as much as I, I used to, obviously, but I have gone in a few times since I've you know been right. able to, but not so much. Yeah. You, know, you know, what was really anxious for me, Michael, is having to choose a calicata marble slab from mm -hmm. a camera in Philadelphia so, yeah. when you're in San Francisco. When it's a $50,000 <laughs> I just about lost it that day because most things right. I can sort of see, mm -hmm. but the nuance of a marble stone. slab. And the iPhones oh are good, but God. you know, those they're not that good. Oh, they're not yeah, that good. Totally. I could see that would be a bit nerve wracking. I had to do the same thing too. If for a project in the Upper West uh, Side, like that's what I was saying about artistic tiles. We're looking at the stone. I was like, oh my gosh. Like I was like, you need to make a video so I can they see look the same it. To yeah. Me. yeah. That was a very interesting thing. Like that's being hard. able to buy slabs and <sighs> shopping away, like 3,000 miles away. And how are your teams been dealing with this? It's now been 10 months and counting. We're in the middle of the second wave. It is the holiday season, which has helped a bit, but I think morale is probably not that great. Barry, how do you keep your team excited, motivated, keep them happy? I mean, I think it's definitely been a struggle and I have to hand it to him. I think we've all been so careful and kept, you know, we've come into the office, wore masks the whole entire time so we can be together. And I think that's helped mm -hmm. because when we were all separated doing it from home yeah. and the initial when nobody, when you were washing the outside of your grocery boxes at the beginning right, of COVID, right. like no one anything. was around that. No. I think we really needed to feel and touch some things and be around each other. And Ben, what about you? And what have you been keeping them, you know, keeping people motivated? Do you have a daily Zoom morning call or something? Or 
we try, but everyone gets yeah. really super busy. So we, we don't do that. And it depends upon the, the, the employee because one of my managers, she's in the same room that her son is Good. also right. in class. Yeah. So it's challenging. And also another employee was extremely averse to even coming into the office just to grab. I said, mm-hmm. no one will be there. No one has been there for a few days. And she was just terrified. She yeah. did not want it yeah. to come into the city. Early on in the pandemic, I decided that I could not judge anybody right. for their reaction. Everybody it's has a very, a very personal thing. How you, what's your personal, safe zone? Is. Personal thing can't yeah. judge people, and and that's yeah, been the best yeah. way to do it. And Pate, have you had a lot of problems in terms of keeping the people that you work with excited and on point? And yeah, I had a, I had an assistant, but I had to let her go um, in the beginning of COVID, and then I. So the projects that I work on now are just basically doing like Zoom calls across the country, weekly meetings and, or weekly Zoom calls and stuff. But I've had to basically let them go. I mean, you know, as far as my team, I had to let them go. And then now I'm kind of gearing up for the 2021 for all the new projects that are coming in. Mm-hmm. So, but as far as just like to my vendors and all of the people yes. that I do work with, I've yes, that's what I've had to do. Like I really spent the time and just kind of... Um, to send out really beautiful thank you gifts and and holiday things yeah. so that yeah. just I to kind of keep the morale, you know. Yeah, let them know how, how much, appreciated yeah. they are. Exactly, I mean, yeah. Because it's going to be at least four more months, probably. Another probably six. six. I'm thinking four minimum, but probably Maybe six, six yeah. more months, months that we're going through this. So what do you see? There is definitely the light at the end of the tunnel, but we still have a ways to go. So is there something in terms of you've learned in terms of working with your vendors or working with your contractors or something that you just want to try and put that into your workaday world for the next six months? Well, I think what's been so nice about this is that we've mended our all of the things that were a little bit, some of the things that were not quite as organized in our group. We've started Slack, which is this way to connect right. online, which has been hugely helpful. And um, This is with your team and, and your vendors too? Not with our just vendors, but with our team. it's an internal so, communication thing. It's right. an eternal right. communication. And I think it is nice. I feel like it is a lot easier to get on a Zoom call with an entire construction team, including the landscape architect, the architect, and the contractor. And I feel like we are covering our bases a little bit more where you meet with one person, it gets handled, and then it's not, the communication is not given to everybody quite as clearly. And So I, you can't be quite as loosey-goosey as maybe you were pre-COVID. Yes, you have to be so yeah. prepared. And I think we've right. sort of put those things in play in our office that have kept us, kept things really organized and make sure the the management and the, the management of the projects were taken care of. Mm-hmm. What about you, Ben? I think it, what surprised me was that I thought I had to be in the office mm-hmm. five days a week. I thought the accountant bookkeeper had to be there and see me. And, and the see whole world was spinning around you, Ben, and, right? <laughs> well, of course, of course. <laughs> and then even with, with clients, you know, there was constant, a lot of travel, you know, driving time, even locally. And I think we've realized that not 100%, but a large part of what we do can be done through a Zoom, a quick Zoom. So I've had really quick, I'll have an idea for a client. We'll do a quick jump on 10 minutes off. And it's amazing how we can make it work. And so I'm sort of excited. And then I can stay up yeah, in one country good. longer that's than you know, a couple of days. I think that this is one of the things that's gonna, gonna be lasting about here is much more flexibility. 
people's mm-hmm. work days. You don't have to maybe be in the office five days a week for you know, eight hours a day. I think that's going to be carried on. What about you, Pate? Well, how are so, you thinking about doing things di- slightly differently, at least the first half of 2021? Yeah, I, a couple of things on the organizing thing. Like I'm actually doing that right now. I'm like wrapping up the year, getting everything organized and and it just feels so amazing. And also, right, Barry, I also use Slack too. And it's been so great to kind of keep everything on a digital platform and then also being physically organized. I think also too, for me, like I feel like I'm taking my service or my intentions for being a designer much more, almost a little bit deeper and kind of, of thinking about how when I do have a new client that wants to potentially work with me and they ask me questions and I really want to be in that space where I'm saying I'm the facilitator to help you manifest the dream that you want to live. And so I feel like in this kind of experience is kind of almost like let me slow down a little bit and try not to just like get the client or try to impress them, but really just kind of come from a really mindful place and really educate them that this is a process of really a collaborative process and just having a really more meaningful kind of feeling and, you know, like an emotional response to how I want the client and managing their expectations. So I think moving forward, I feel for me, it gives me a sense of calmness. And I feel that in that way, like by operating on that, it feels better. Like the, the response of a client almost is like a, is a little bit more, um, it feels a little bit more, I don't know, like impactful, mm-hmm. you know, versus just, I'm just, you know, I'm not going to just help you like pick three options. You know, I really want to help you facilitate the dream that you really want to live. Right. And so with that idea, it gives it a little bit more of a, a, a deeper spiritual feeling. And right. for me, I feel like it gives me more purpose. I agree. It's yes. less superficial and much more meaningful, yes. soulful, Agreed. authentic, supporting our clients' lives. Because I tell them, we're not just creating a pretty room. We're creating sort of a stage for your life and how you're interacting with your family and friends. And uh, everyone's network has gotten smaller and smaller or their pod. And so right. it's even I more I think meaningful. that is another one of the silver linings about, a, a, your clients are spending much more time at home, so they appreciate home more. But B, they realize how much good design can bring to their homes and improve their lives. Yes. Absolutely. Changes yeah, and absolutely. shifts the way that you think about your life and how you operate. Right, right. Outside. I do but. feel like I'm getting a lot more calls from past clients telling me, you know, this is, let me tell you how much I enjoy this room oh, and that's lovely. how we feel about it. Yeah, And I think that's that's been a huge motivator to our entire staff. I share it and they, they say the same things to my project managers. But I also think that I've been at my house so much more. You're not traveling as much and I'm when you're in your own home, you have to travel. I have to travel around different rooms because where else do you have to travel? So <laughs> I just want, I want what I mean is like, I don't want to be in the same room every day right. doing my work. I want to go to the living room. Right. I want to go to the right. dining room. I want to go outside. So like, you know, having these little roaming baskets of things that you can plug in and take your laptop somewhere else and, and do what you need to do somewhere well, else instead of... I have of- the same basket, Barry. <laughs> I have the same <laughs> straw <laughs> basket that I, I have about four different locations depending that's upon great. my mood. But I think that speaks to why it's really about improving and celebrating and making their home lives so much richer and more beautiful and rewarding and responding to their needs, whether it's for a new home office, a new school area for the kids. 
that I mean, think is such an important thing. So I think it's very heartening that your clients understand and respect that and are also understanding and giving you the time to deal with these crazy deliveries, these shortages and all that stuff, because sometimes clients don't get it. I mean, clients tend to, people want what they want and they want it when they want it. And I think that's probably yet another silver lining to this COVID is that it's made people realize how interconnected we all are and how we are all subject to all the vicissitudes that this pandemic has brought. And I think that's very encouraging to hear. Some things, some things Michael, bring out yes. the worst in people, but I would say 2020 has actually brought out the best of people in yeah. our country. So I'm looking forward to 2021. I think 2021 is going to be a really good year. I have very positive feelings about it. And I want to thank all of you guys for being here. I just want to thank everybody who's listening to the Church Podcast. And I want to thank my guests, Barry Benson, Ben Dong, and Pete Lau, so much for sharing all your insights about how to deal with COVID crisis. Thank you all. Thank you. Thank you, Michael. Thank you. You've been listening to the Cherish podcast, brought to you, of course, by Cherish, which was recently voted by the readers of USA Today as the best place to shop online for furniture and home decor. If you enjoyed this episode, please tell a friend or colleague. Or better yet, go to Apple Podcasts and leave us a review. We appreciate your help in spreading the word. And we would love your ideas for future episodes. Please email us at podcast at cherish.com. The Cherish Podcast is produced by Britta Muller and engineered by Hangar Studios in New York. Until next time.